This happened in California. It was around 2 a.m. I was at my friend's house, safe in a warm shelter of suburbia. We had a lot to drink, chit-chatting, enjoying ourselves. Of course, when you're having fun, time hits the fast-forward button, and those few minutes turn into an hour. I had too much to drink. My friend has a bit of an abrupt bedtime, so I had to dodge out early, still intoxicated. I felt too shameful, thinking that I'd be asking too much to stay in his house to sleep off my drunkenness. I suppose he was either too rude or too drunk to consider it himself. Anyways, sometimes a little inconvenience makes you appreciate everything else. I needed about an hour to sober up to drive back. As fast as time passed during my stay, it decided to drastically slow down as soon as I stepped out of the house. It was a cul-de-sac area, a concrete jungle with the stem of the street breaking into a fork. Alongside the road, my car was parked. The only street light was in the middle of the cul-de-sac, about 80 yards away. I stumbled towards my car, felt the metal line up, opened my door, and shifted to the back seat. Because this was a dark, strange, unfamiliar neighborhood, I took the leftover newspapers and a sweater from my back seat to cover myself up. I was a little scared, and I wanted to camouflage myself and not just be some guy awkwardly sitting in the back of his car, waiting for time to pass in order to drive home. I couldn't fall asleep. The uncomfortable feeling of being in the cheap back seat bed, enshrouded in the darkness, and of course, my mind began to wander. I thought of the worst case scenarios, like how the police would shine their lights at me through the window, or a drunk driver hitting my car, and wait, in the distance, about a hundred yards away, I can hear footsteps approaching. The gravel scuffed with each step forward, growing in proximity but periodically taking stops. I wondered why, until it all made sense in my mind. Whoever it was, was probably looking through cars carefully, with the intent to steal one. I couldn't recall how many cars were on the block, but I counted three full stops until he was at my window, breathing. I froze. There was no more than a foot between us. The car encapsulated me as I lay hidden beneath the backseat clutter forming myself into an object, trying my hardest to be unnoticeable, unmoving, and simply not there. I see you, said a man in a perverse baby talk. Imagine if you were playing hide and seek and one of your friends tricks you into coming out. He said it in a tone of voice, as if baiting me, like he was questioning whether the clutter in the backseat was just clutter or a person. I didn't want to move or check the window. I remained clutter. Give me an Academy Award. My body reacted by minimizing my breath, so much so that I felt paralyzed. I dare not look. My eyes fixated on the back of the passenger seat. I didn't blink. I didn't move. I didn't breathe. My heart was pounding so hard, it shook my body with each throb. He circled around the car. My ears did not fail me. I heard the steps. I felt like I was part of the car. I could feel him touching the trunk as he carefully pressed down on it, as if to test if there was an alarm, as if to test me. I was in the middle of fight or flight, and I couldn't do either without elevating the danger. I was frozen, and hoping to God he was just bluffing. He circled the car again. Door handle to my right jiggled. 
He was pulling it multiple times. I see you. Same tone. More agitated and stressed. More convinced that he was trying to make this clutter move. Revealing itself to be his expectations that it was me. My muscles tensed like a cow before slaughter. Tap, tap, tap. That had to be metal against the glass. Take a penny right now. Tap your window. Was it a crowbar? A knife? A rock? A gun? My eyes fixated on the scene in front of me, never averting my gaze, like he was. I was covered enough to where I couldn't see beyond the seat in front of me. I know I couldn't see him, but I could feel his eyes resting on top of me. My name is Poker Face. What's your name? The voice changed in a lower, demented, and serious tone. My mind forced the visual. It wasn't anything human. I had already accepted my death. I was ready to get shot in the head, ready to take that life-changing bullet, multiple knife wounds, just to make the sleep bearable, not excruciating, as he drained me from life. I wouldn't know how to react. My thoughts grew dimmer. I imagined my friend waking up the next morning, after a calm night of safe sound sleep, only to discover my mutilated, defiled, bloody body hanging outside of my car door. It was then I heard nothing but my own heart. What was the person doing now? Just staring at me in the middle of the night? Talking to me? Or a messy pile in the back seat? Time froze. The footsteps were being swallowed in the distance. Thank God he left. I waited another hour until the sun showed hints of itself. I jumped into the front seat of my car and bolted out of there, wide-eyed and sober. This happened in the early 2000s, and I was around 12 years old. My dad passed away two years before, leaving my mom, sister, and myself. To help cope with my father's passing, my mom took me to an animal shelter to pick out a dog. Since having a large dog is something I always wanted. In one of the cages was a small shepherd, Husky, huddled up in the corner that right away I fell in love with. When this incident happened, he was one year old, 90 pounds, my mom was working nights, and my older sister was taking advantage that my mom wasn't home, and would constantly leave me alone. I didn't mind though, because then she couldn't boss me around, since when she was home, she would try being mom, and telling me what to do, and when to go to bed. We lived in a small middle class suburb, with low crime rate, and I wasn't scared to be home alone. So this night, I was sitting home in the living room, playing a video game and I got up to go to the kitchen to grab a drink. In the kitchen, I had a clear view through the back door and could see that the garage was open. I headed out to close it. My dog was sleeping in the basement since he liked to lay on the cold floor during the summer months and at the time I didn't think of taking him out with me. I step out the door and make it about five feet when I noticed in the darkness a crouched shadow moving in the garage. I froze trying to get my eyes to adjust to make out what the shadow was. It finally hit me when I saw the figure stand up and turn towards me. I was terrified and felt like I had been glued to the spot. I knew this person could see me since the back porch light was on and shining above me. At that moment, the figure started running towards me. I was too scared to move and let out more of a yelp than a scream. 
But that was all it took for my dog to hear. And the next thing I hear is him behind me snarling and growling. I could make out it was a man, but no features, as he was now frozen seeing the 90 pound beast behind me. He turned and ran for the back fence with my dog right behind him. The guy made it to the fence and since it was only 4 feet he hopped right over it before my dog got to him. After he got away my dog came running back to me and we went inside where I barricaded the doors. I don't know why I didn't call the cops and I never told my mom or sister what happened. One thing that still bothers me was he had to know that I was inside since the lights were on and the blinds were open. So why did he risk hitting a house where he knew someone was clearly home? The next morning after my mom was home I went outside and finally closed the garage and noticed that he had been going through my dad's toolbox. I locked the garage and never told anyone what happened. I walked my dog to McDonald's and got him a hamburger and an ice cream cone for being my hero. My girlfriend and I were living in our new apartment approximately three or four months at the time of this story. For clarification, we live in a basement level unit. The one and only entrance is inside our building and down the stairs. However, there's four windows facing nothing but a row of shrubbery and tree line. It was roughly 9 or 10 p.m. She was at work for the evening and I had the place to myself. Lights on, TV blasting. I'm sitting in the living room planning to eat trashy and binge watching the remaining episodes of Broad City. Not long into it, however, I heard a scraping sound from the bathroom. My first thought was, a mouse? Which was the last thing we needed. So I get up to make my way through the hallway, as quietly as I can, so I can catch a glimpse of it. The closer I got, I realized the scratching wasn't coming from the bathroom, but from the window in our master bedroom. My next guess was that it was simply kids playing outside, as they tend to do or the bunny I had seen bouncing out there that morning. Even more likely, someone taking their dog out to pee. I paused, tried to hone in on what I was hearing, and only then I noticed the sound wasn't echoing from outside, rather scratching on the window itself. I stared into the bedroom and I noticed the sound stopped and moved to the adjacent window next to it. A smaller bedroom that gave us the creeps, as is, it simply sits dark and is empty aside from a few boxes of my clothing. We never used it. Thinking back on it, it was probably a bad idea. I'm a small girl, maybe 5'2", 90 pounds soaking wet, but I do have a bit of a spirit and a tad bit of a temper. I had hoped on being discovered that whoever it was would run off. I caught him red-handed, so I yelled out, I hear you, what do you want? The scratching sound stopped instantly. I waited. After what I felt like an eternity, I assumed the coast was clear. I made my way to the windowsill and slowly cracked open the blinds. I don't know why I did this, because there he was crouched, peering in at me with the wildest eyes I've ever seen on a person. He was most certainly strung out on something. He told me to let him in. As I was shocked, I almost laughed at his audacity, as if I was just going to swing the door open and let him waltz in. Using my remaining courage, I mustered up enough to tell him not so gently no, get the hell away from my house. He just told me to let him in, to which I informed him that I was calling the police and hurriedly proceeded to do so. 
I even turned with the phone to face him as an added effect, hoping that this act would scare him or intimidate him, anything to get this man to leave. Unfortunately, it had the exact opposite effect. He was seething, raging, and particularly foaming at the mouth. He drew back and then punched the window, hard, repeatedly slamming his fist and palms against the glass. The window started to crack, blood flinging up like a gore-filled movie effect. I was out of there so fast, heart racing, slamming the door behind me. So tempted to run out the front door, but I was incredibly scared that he would just come around from the side of the building. It would take no time for him to do so. Feeling torn and trapped, I pick up the nearest blunt object and place myself in between the two doors. I figured whichever one moved first, I'd go to the other. I still had the phone to my ear, urging the 911 operator to get someone here fast. In my panic state, I also feared that my girlfriend would be coming home soon. I messaged her, worrying about what was going on. Eventually I heard sirens, and not long later, Poundy came out the front door. The police had arrived. I explained to them what happened, and they searched the apartment and the area near the window. They came back with a set of keys that he had possibly dropped, but no sign of him, other than the broken window. They took a sample of his blood that was left on the glass. My girlfriend came home shortly after, having left work early and calling the police herself. I'm grateful she did. Maintenance had been notified and they threw up a temporary boarding until it could be repaired. They never actually found the guy, or if they did I never received any update on it. I definitely did not get any sleep that night. This one time I went to the bar with one of my friends. I just turned 21, so I haven't been to much bars up to this point. My friend was drinking on the way to the bar, so he was already pretty drunk when we got there. When I sat down, a cute girl came and talked to me and my friend. She said her name was Candace, and I noticed that she had really bright red hair. I assumed she dyed it. It was pretty, but unnatural. Anyways, this girl was flirting with me and my friend. She could tell that my friend was already drunk. To be honest, I played along and acted like I was drunk already, too, since it seemed to be working for my friend. I didn't know if she was just trying to get us to buy her free drinks, so I told her we didn't have much money. Then she offered to buy us drinks. She kept buying us drinks, and I started to get confused as to who she liked between me and my friend. My friend went to the bathroom. Before he came back, he was kicked out by the bouncers. He was way too drunk. Candace and I went outside with him. She kept telling him to go home with her. He was so out of it that he could barely answer. I told her that he was too drunk and I couldn't let him go anywhere. I didn't want him to wake up with a hangover in some random house with no car and no idea what happened. But Candace kept pushing it, saying that she would take care of him. I told her no because I had to stay with him. I was more sober than him, and he was my responsibility. I told her the only way he was going anywhere was if I tagged along. I assumed she thought I was just jealous or cock-blocking, but my friend could barely stand and had lost interest in Candace already at that point. She immediately started flirting with me and offered to get my friend a taxi to drive him home and said we could go to her place. At this point I had a few drinks and I was pretty buzzed, so I agreed. We took my friend to the taxi and then walked to her car. 
I slightly stumbled on the way to her car. Wow, you're pretty drunk, huh? She said smiling as she held onto my arm. Yeah, I said. I don't know why, but I just felt slightly shy and anxious. Everything was just happening too easy for me, so I felt uneasy. We got into her car and drove down the street. Want to stop at the liquor store and get some more to drink? I'll buy, so you don't have to worry about paying, she offered. I didn't want to drink any more than I already did. I was already buzzed. I wanted to be able to carry myself throughout the rest of the night. Sometimes I made myself stupid when I drank too much. So I didn't want to ruin anything with Candace more than I already did earlier with telling her my friend was too drunk. I told her I was already drunk enough, but she insisted. I didn't want to seem lame, so I told her I'd get a pint of liquor with some apple juice to chase it. She went into the store and came out with a lot more than just a pint. I assumed she wanted to drink more also. That's why she got a fifth instead of a pint. On the car ride, we passed the bottle back and forth, but she took teeny sips. I also tried to take teeny sips, but she kept passing the bottle back to me, telling me to drink. At that point, I somehow managed to drink all my apple juice, and I pretended to drink the liquor by spitting the liquor into the apple juice bottle. I tossed the apple juice bottle full of liquor out the window before she saw it. I didn't want her to know I was acting drunker than I actually was, because she actually believed I was sloppy drunk when I was simply buzzed. I took a couple more sips of liquor to finish the bottle. Throughout the car ride, I kept calling her the wrong name to get a reaction out of her, but she didn't react to it. She just kept letting me call her Carla without correcting me. For some reason, I thought she lied to me about her name initially. We drove up to her house and I pretended to trip and stumble into her front door. She helped me walk inside by holding me up. She opened her front door, which was unlocked and we walked into her house. She closed the front door and locked it behind her. I thought it was strange, but I assumed she didn't want anyone walking in on us. I told her how to use the bathroom, locked the door, and looked in the mirror. I just felt strange. I felt like something was off. I also felt myself becoming more drunk from finishing the bottle earlier. I turned on the sink to make noise as I made myself puke the liquor out that I drank. I flushed and went back to the sink and started drinking tap water with my hands to sober up. I just didn't want to be too drunk, but I still wanted to hook up with Candace, so I wanted to pretend to be drunk. I turned off the sink and I could hear her talking to someone. He's drunk as hell. He can barely stand up. You do it. Who is she talking to? And do what? I walked out of the bathroom into the living room. The moment I stepped into the living room, I saw her walking into another room. All I could see was the back of her head, the strange very bright red hair going to another room. I didn't see her face or anything. The living room was pretty dark. Hey, where, where are you going? I slurred like I was drunk. She walked back into the dark living room and came up to me. Let's go into my room, she said. I looked at her bright red hair and then into her eyes. They were different. Her face was different. It was another girl with the same hair. That's when I realized it was another girl with the same wig on. It had been a wig the whole time. She changed it with a girl from earlier for whatever reason. My heart felt like it stopped, but I tried to look like I had no idea it was a different girl. I kind of smiled at her and told her I just needed to use the bathroom again 
one more time and sorry that I was so drunk. She said, it's fine, hurry up in there. I went into the bathroom and locked the door. I heard her whisper something to someone, but this time I think I heard a male voice whisper back. I honestly didn't concentrate on listening to exactly what she said. Something sketchy was going on and I had to get out of this house. I opened the bathroom window and jumped straight out of it and ran faster than I've ever ran in my life. I didn't look behind me or anything. I just ran through the backyard, jumped the fence, ran through someone else's backyard, hit a road, and ran towards the main road. I kept running down the main road until I saw a CVS. I ran into the CVS and stood straight in front of the store, in front of the camera. I called a taxi and went home. I try not to think what happened that night. What was she or they planning that night? Why did she give me a fake name? Why was she trying to get my friend so drunk? I thought maybe a robbery, but she kept spending money on us and we told her we didn't have much. She kept buying us drinks and even paid for my friend's taxi cab. And mostly, why did she wear a wig and give it to another girl to wear? Who was she talking to? What did it mean? And what was in that room that they tried to lure me into? My now husband and I moved in together almost four years ago to a rather nice, albeit expensive, apartment complex in sort of a nice part of town. We are on the third floor with a large balcony that looks out onto the courtyard in which the other apartments in the complex are located. Basically, you can see all the balconies and living rooms of the other tenants and an open stairwell. A year went by without a hitch. My husband works at a bar, so he comes home late, while I usually come home around 5. It is fairly easy to get to any apartment doorway, as the complex is large and open with no security doors, except for the door to the apartment. This all started in August of 2016. I would be at home chilling and watching TV, and almost always around 9.30, I would hear someone come up the stairs. Things would be quiet, and then all of a sudden, Loud sharp knocks at my door. The first time I didn't move because it was startling, but eventually went to look out the peephole. There stood three people, all with black hoodies on and seemingly staring at the peephole as if they could see me. I didn't answer the door and after a while they left. Cue a few weeks later. Same time but this incident, footsteps, then loud hard bangs at the door that sent my cat flying to hide. I sat there frozen, but said to myself, maybe the police? I made it to the people once again, this time staring out to one person, dark hoodie, male, white, with very large black eyes. Again, I did not answer the door, and I grabbed the kitchen knife I kept by my side until my husband came home. This continued for weeks and happened once when my husband was home. He proceeded to look out the peephole, saw the same man and screamed for him to leave, and he did. We called maintenance and the police, who both stated that there would be regular patrols, but nothing else, and suggested we put in cameras. Everything stopped for a while, during the winter, which helped me be at ease, because when this was all happening, I had a very hard time sleeping, and stopped going out at night. However, I assumed the same man started up again 
Except this time it was louder bangs at the door. And when I would look at the peephole, there was no one there. I then became horrified and noticed cigarette butts outside of my door, like someone was standing there and waiting. I reported it again. Security stepped up in the area, but I still did not feel safe. I was just hoping it would stop. I felt tortured in my own home, but as I realized two weeks ago, things could get much worse. At night to go to bed, I would have to cross our eating area, which is right in front of our giant glass sliding door that led to our balcony. It was late at night. The lights were turned off in my apartment. As I walked by and glanced over across the courtyard, I see the same man standing at the landing of the stairs across the way, just staring right at my balcony, just standing there, not moving with his face in my direction. It was the same man that was at my door. I went numb, heart racing, chilled to the bone. I knew he couldn't see me because all my lights were turned off and the stairway had lights of its own. But I was still scared shitless. I called my husband who rushed over, but the man had already left. More reports to the front office, more promises of security patrols. This same creepy dead-eyed man with a hoodie continued to stand at the stairway landing, staring at my apartment. It has been two weeks and he does it every Friday night. I am horrified and have been having awful nightmares of him breaking in and strangling me in my sleep. So creepy black-eyed man, please, let's never ever meet. Here's a short but sweet one for you. This happened about two months ago when my parents went away for the weekend, leaving me and my pets to look after the house. Usually I'm nervous to be alone at night because I'm a weak 18 year old girl with a few enemies in the town. There are teenagers who have assaulted and threatened me and things like that so of course when I'm alone I get a little paranoid. My parents decided to leave me on a Thursday night which went uneventfully. So did Friday night. Finally Saturday night rolls around and I'm playing some games with my friends. It's 2 in the morning and my dog is asleep behind me. The doors are locked and the lights are off. And I'm feeling good. Until I hear something outside. It starts quiet. But gradually got louder and louder. Eventually. I realize that there's someone outside my house. Yelling. Usually I wouldn't care. It's Saturday night. And people walk down the road all the time when they're drunk. Except this time. Five minutes pass. And this person has gone nowhere. I sneak up to the window. And I lift the blind just enough to peek out the window. And there he is. A full grown man who I recognize, and later found out that someone in my family knows. He is looking directly into my window with the most terrifying, angry look on his face. He stood in my driveway, facing my house yelling, it's been 10 minutes now. I'm a defenseless girl, and he's getting closer to my house and getting increasingly angry. I should have phoned the police, but at the time I didn't know what to do. I rang my sister, and my heart was pounding, and my hands were shaking and I told her what was going on. Luckily for me, she was calm about it and asked me to shut the blinds and listen to see if he would leave. I couldn't make out any words, but he kept going on for five or ten more minutes. Then I couldn't hear him, but I heard a smash. I was still on the phone and I told my sister I swear I heard something smash and I was scared that it might be the window or something. 
My dog is deaf, by the way, so he was unaware of all of this. My sister tells me to go downstairs and check, so I turn on the flashlight of my phone, and I slowly make my way downstairs. I'm basically ready to see this dude in my house, and get killed, or worse. But I check the windows and they're all fine. All the doors are locked, and I didn't see him through the peephole. My sister then tells me that she can hear him around her house. She has two disabled kids, so I was literally shitting myself thinking that he was trying to break in. I asked her if I should call the police, but then she heard him leave and we didn't hear him for the rest of the night. I found out the next day that there was a bottle smashed outside and that was what I heard. Even if this might seem as a harmless drunk, me being home alone on this night made everything terrifying. If I hadn't closed the blinds and basically hid until he left, I don't know what he would have done or been capable of. I haven't told my parents who we think it was because he lives close and I know that my parents would kill him. Even so, whenever it's late at night and I hear a man's voice outside my house, I always fear the worst. So drunk and potentially well-known man shouting at me from our driveway. Let's not meet. I've played a lot of games online throughout the years. I've met a lot of weird people, but this one takes a cake. Jake was recording for Twitch and got into a game with me and my friend Shay. We had just won the match and played more. He seemed cool so I sent him a friend request and we played more after that. He seemed very nice, if not timid. It wasn't long after that we started talking more. He confessed being sick as a kid and getting a make a wish from that. I felt bad and confessed that I was also sick as a kid. And still I'm sick, but not at that level. And it felt nice to talk to someone that understands chronic illness. Because of mine, I started playing online less. And I didn't think much of it until I got back online and my message box was filled by Jake. I talked to him about it and he claimed that he was worried. And I told him not to worry because my family and my boyfriend were helping me when things got bad. As soon as I mentioned my boyfriend, he started getting passive aggressive and saying things like, a good boyfriend could take the pain away, you know? I brushed it off because my friend's circle was kind of small and I didn't want to lose anyone for small things. Less than a week after, I found out that he's in the hospital for attempting to commit suicide. And he called me from the hospital, which normally is understandable, but I had never gave him my number. When I asked about it, he mulled over the question and went on how he couldn't live without me and could treat me way better than my boyfriend does. I asked him again, but he continued how he was so scared to be kept there and how if I told him I'd be there for him, things would get better. At that moment, I promised I would be honest if he was honest with how he got my number. As you can imagine, that got him to talk. He said he searched my username through the Google and found my Tumblr because I used the same username. Then found my Facebook, and then my mother's, and got my full name and looked it up, getting my number along with my address. I was stunned and hung up. I ended up blocking him through everything. All I could say is, I hope we never meet again. It was February 2010, and I was 7 years old. My mom would let me walk home from school, as my apartment was just a little ways away from the school. 
There was never any problems with this, but one day when I was walking home from school, a black car pulled up next to me. For the life of me, I can't remember what kind of car it was. The window to the car rolled down, and there was a woman with red hair. She looked to be about 45. She introduced herself as Erica, and said that she was my father's sister. My father left before I was born, and we didn't have contact with his family. Although I didn't know much about my father, at the time I did know that he only had brothers, because just days before I was asking my mom rapid fire questions about him, and one of them was if he had any brothers or sisters. Anyway, instead of telling Erica that he didn't have any sisters, or just walking away, I told her my name, and she started asking me questions, like, where do you go to school? How's your brother? I got really creeped out by these questions, and told her I wasn't supposed to be talking to strangers, and I started walking away. She continued to drive slow next to me, and kept saying she meant no harm. But I got scared and started running, and she followed me. When I got to my apartment complex, I ran to my neighbor's house, acting like it was mine. Because that's what my brother told me to do if I was ever followed home. I looked back when I was at the door, and she was driving away. I didn't tell my mom because I didn't want her to stop letting me walk home alone. The next day was Saturday, and when I was playing at the basketball court with my brother, I saw the same black car drive by. I dragged my brother inside, telling him I felt sick. On Sunday after church, on the way home and pulling into the complex, I saw her outside. She was not in her car. I remember she had a big stomach and smaller legs. I got scared, and when we got out of the car, I ran inside and looked out the living room window while my mom and brother went to make lunch. I saw her walk over to the neighbor's house that I had ran to. A few moments later, she walked away, and my neighbors came over to my house. He informed my mother that the lady came looking for me, claiming that she was my teacher and needed to talk to me about something. When my mom heard this, she called me over. I started crying and told her everything, and then she started crying because she was so scared of what could have happened to me. She then told me I would now have to wait for my brother, who was 13, to get out of school so we could walk together. She also reported it to the police. After this, I saw the car and would point it out to my brother, and we would tell my mom. It all died down by April, and we never got any word if the police had talked to her. I didn't see her for years, and I forgot about it until yesterday. I was at Albertson's with my best friend. I felt a tap on my shoulder. It was her. She introduced herself again, and my mouth just hung open, in shock. And I acted nice, but when she offered to take me to my house, I got scared. I grabbed my friend and we walked away. I'm very afraid. She remembers me. She still tried to give me a ride, and she's still around. I already told my mom, but we aren't sure what to do. Since then, the lady has been identified, but since she didn't technically harm me, nothing is happening to her, but we still put a restraining order against her. I just hope I never see her again. This happened to me last Thursday, and I can't stop thinking about it. I'll start the story by saying I'm a 30-year-old female who lives with my fiancé and our two dogs. I have two huskies, one that is two, another one that's four months old. My huskies are not guard dogs to save their lives. They don't bark or howl. 
These dogs love people so much. My fiance and his friends would walk in multiple occasions and the dogs don't make a peep. So anyways, it's 8 p.m., it's dark, and I'm alone. My fiance is at a hockey game. I'm in the bathroom with the door closed and the blow dryer's going, so I can't really hear anything around me. That is, until I hear one of the dogs howl. I stop the blow dryer and listen, thinking that the dogs are fighting again. I hear a faint knock, and the dogs start to go ape shit, barking and howling, jumping into the bay window so bad that I thought they would break it. I'm thinking what the hell is making them go crazy like that? Maybe another dog, or a skunk? I look out the bedroom window, as it's the closest view to the front door for me. Well lo and behold, there are two men in hoodies, standing at the front door. They start knocking louder. And at this time, my two-year-old husky jumps from the bay window to the front door and starts growling and ramming his body into the door. I'm watching this from my bedroom as a dog jumps into the door. And one of the men jumps back, startled, looks at the other guy, and they just walk away. I called my fiancé and told him to get home as soon as possible. And they weren't selling anything because they didn't stop at any other houses. I was so creeped out and still am. Thank God for my crazy dogs. So scary man at my door. Let's not meet again. So when I was fairly young, around 10, my dad was going to throw out his dinosaur age computer after he had gotten a new one. I begged to have it because, you know, that's a lot of independence for a 10 year old. I eventually got my first email account and would email my friend back and forth. It was sort of our group messaging system for the early 2000s. Anyways, I started getting emails from this guy that I've never met. His name was Max. Max would always email me several times a week asking me a question about myself. My parents had always taught me about stranger danger, so I gave as little information as possible. But having a cool pen pal my age seemed fun. That was until he kept asking me more personal things. My family members' names, etc. I told my parents about it and they ended up blocking him for me. I never heard from Max again until I got a Facebook message about 5 years later. It had only been days after I made my profile when I got a friend request. It was Max. I was scared shitless. I mean, who would wait 5 years and friend someone so quickly? He would have had to been searching me. Or else how did he find my Facebook so fast? It didn't make any sense. So I clicked his profile, and in his profile picture was a blurred face in a poorly lit room. He only had four friends. I immediately deleted the request and blocked Max from Facebook. It's been a couple years and I haven't heard from him since, so Max, let's not meet. Just a few days ago, I was home alone, minding my own business studying for an exam. I was kind of stressed out and couldn't really focus on anything and it was midday. The doorbell rang so I got up and opened the door. There was a man in his mid-thirties, average build, that looked like a construction worker. He asked me if my parents were home because he needed 50 bucks to fix the pipe. I told him no, that they are not. He asked me when they were coming. I told him that I live with my boyfriend and asked him why he needed money since we already paid our 35 bucks to the building administration. 
He said those are for other things, and this is an emergency. And told us that our neighbors had called him, because on our side of the building, the eaves were broken, and the water was dripping down on their windows. He then asked me to talk to my boyfriend about the money, and I told him to come later because he was not home at the time. He then told me to make sure to ask him when he came back, because the problem was pretty urgent. I closed the door, went to grab my phone to call him. Red flag. Is the pipe broken, or are the eaves broken? I wanted to ask him which neighbors had called him, and if he could give me a receipt on how much exactly it would cost. But at this point I had gotten a little bit scared. I'm a hundred pound girl, and I actually look like a kid, which is why he asked for my parents, even though I'm 22. The way he talked was also weird. I don't know how to describe it, he just had like a mean crazy vibe to it. So you know, he could have knocked me over. I felt incredibly stupid to have told him that I'm home alone. But he kept asking to talk to other people, and it was my first instinct. Anyway, my boyfriend said he would be there in about an hour. I didn't tell him the whole story, because the guy was waiting outside. I opened the door again, and decided I would rather talk to him than make him angry by not opening the door. The door to our apartment was an old wooden door. We lived in a cheap rented apartment, so I didn't feel protected enough by it. There I am. I open the door. And I tell him it's going to be an hour until he gets back, and I'm very sorry for the inconvenience. He says it's alright and he'll come back later, except he didn't leave immediately. Instead, he asked me about our rent, if we worked, if we were students, to which I barely replied, I work, we're both students. I can't give you any more details, and I can't tell you how much money we pay for rent, I'm sorry. He then asked me if I knew any other girls that were cute, like myself, that were looking for a partner. That he's a good guy, a city guy, and it's really hard to find a good girl. He probably took a good five minutes to explain this, and grilled me for telephone numbers of girls who would not hang up on him. I tried to be as nice as I could, and explained to him that I had friends my age that were already in relationships as far as I knew. He asked me a couple more times, but I kept telling him the same thing. So he gave up. He then asked me if my boyfriend and I had been together long. To which I replied we had been together for two years. He wishes us luck. He then asked me which apartment was the administrator's apartment. And I told him. And he finally left. I told my boyfriend everything. And he came home as soon as he could. By this point I felt like puking. I was so scared. I had given him too much info while trying to keep him calm. My boyfriend immediately said it was a scam and went downstairs to talk to our administrator. She told him that he knocked on her door and asked her for $15 and that the girl on the third floor, which was me, had sent him. She also told him that she knew he was a scammer and that we should not worry. Just be careful. I'm scared. It seemed like he was planning a robbery. Like he got into the building and he inspected all the doors and chose ours because it's not the best door in the world. He asked me for money to see if I had it on hand. He asked me about the rent price to see if we have money and if we have stuff in the apartment that's valuable. Or maybe he was just asking for money because he thought people would fall for that. But why choose me, our apartment? Weirdly enough, it felt like he was nice to me. He was calm. He didn't try to convince me to give him money, but he did try to get my parents and my boyfriend to be his target. He seemed to take pity on me. Nevertheless, we've been sleeping with all our interior doors open to hear someone's trying to break into our apartment, and we try not to leave it empty for long periods of time. And now I'm living in constant fear. 
Just to give a bit of background, I'm a female and I drive for Lyft at night. I'm on the shorter side at 5'4 and have been driving for Lyft for nearly 6 months. I typically drive downtown Denver, especially on weekends when there's the most money to make. At this time, I've only had a couple truly scary encounters and I drive 7 nights a week for at least a couple hours a night. This first scary one started out normally enough for that late at night. I had just dropped off a passenger in Aurora and was making my way back towards Market Street since the bars hadn't closed yet. I get a pickup that's on the way and it's a nice enough area that I don't feel uncomfortable. But anyone that knows Aurora, Colorado knows it's not really the best area even with its few nice areas. A couple guys hop in, one in the front and one in the back and they both have hoodies on and carrying backpacks. But this is Colorado and it's almost 1.30 in the morning so it's not that odd. Where it gets odd is after they get in. I give them my normal greeting and they completely ignore me and shove their backpacks onto the floor and pull their hoodies up while shielding their faces from the windows with their hands. I was instantly uncomfortable and I could tell something was off. It was only a 10 minute drive and we were in a secluded area so I decided the safest thing I could do was complete the ride. I could feel my fight or flight instincts kicking in. Within a minute I decided that if they tried anything I was going to crash my car. Neither one of them had put their seatbelts on so I figured it would be my best chance. Once we arrived at the location that they wanted to be dropped at I could tell it was not a good area. Bars on all the windows, trash everywhere and cars in disrepair. They get out and they don't shut my doors and they start whispering to each other while glancing at me. One of them has his hand in his pockets, fidgeting with something. At this point, I've heard enough and step on the gas, driving off when my doors open. I drove a couple of miles till I get to a gas station before I stop and properly close both doors. I call it a night and I headed home to cuddle with my toddler and my husband before having a good cry in the safety of my own bed. I had no idea what they were planning to do, but I know it terrified me at the moment. This second story takes place a couple weeks after the first. I had sworn off pickups in Aurora and all the shady parts along Colfax at night. I would still drop people off there, but I would also turn the app off when leaving that area. I was downtown as usual for a Saturday night and the bars were closing. I get a shared ride which can be very good at bar closing. Now the thing to know about shared rides is you can't request more than two seats leaving room for two more people. I have on multiple occasions had a full car with these type of rides. I get to the people and I lock my doors as normal and three people get in. Okay, small problem. I'm polite and tell them I can't give them a ride with three people, so they would have to order a different lift. This is where this one turns. I don't want to pay more. I'm sorry, but either one of you has to get out, or all of you do. This is a shared ride, and that means I can get two more passengers, and those seats are needed. With shared rides, you're only allowed to book two seats for two passengers. I'm not paying anymore, so you can just ignore those rules and take us home. At this point he had become aggressive and was putting his finger in my face. Maybe I should have been more scared, only this is Market Street, at bar close, 
There are drunk people everywhere, and where there are drunk people, there are cops. I roll down the window as he continues to tell me what I'm going to do. Starts to threaten me by saying, I'll put your bitch ass in its place if I didn't start driving right then and there. I didn't catch all of his threats because I was making eye contact with the cop and was focusing on getting his attention. Okay, you now have a new choice. You can all get out or you can get that cop right there to get you out. The cop was making his way over, seeing if something was wrong. They all jumped out and the guy flipped me off. Then they disappeared into the crowd, still looking for rides. The cop stopped and asked me if I was okay, and I gave him a short rundown of what happened and thanked him for coming over. I headed off to my next ride, who was a very polite gentleman. In both cases, I reported them to Lyft, so I wouldn't be paired with them ever again. I also started carrying foam pepper spray for a defense and have a dash cam that records the interior of the car now. Since that last incident, I haven't had any more issues, so there's that. So this happened a few years ago, and I'm not much of a rider, so sorry if this story seems jumbled. This started towards the end of my 8th grade year. Basically my friend had this guy who followed her on Instagram and would comment on all her posts telling her how pretty she was. Now that wasn't super weird, but we kind of found it creepy because this dude was obviously in his late 50s and she was 13. It eventually escalated. He started messaging her every day. Not anything overly creepy, just mainly small talk at first. Eventually he finds my page and starts to comment, but I don't post much pictures of myself online. And basically a majority of it was doodles and pictures of my dog. Now this guy's account also mainly consisted of art, and most of it was actually pretty good, so I didn't mind him commenting on my art at first. Eventually though, he also started to message me and tried talking to me. Now I have pretty bad anxiety, and I hate coming across as mean, so I wouldn't really respond with words unless he asked me a direct question. Mainly what I did was just heart it, or a smiley face. Stupid I know. So this continues for a few weeks, and over the time, I learned that this guy can randomly just blow up. I learned this because I responded to his message from him asking my age. I told him I was 13, but then I put my phone down because I had to do dishes. When I came back to my phone, I had 10 messages from him. He was asking me why I wasn't responding to him, and also telling me he was joking. I was super confused at first at what he could have sent that would have made me mad. Basically he responded about how both me and my friend looked like we were 18. I found that to be kind of creepy, but I didn't want to confront him about it. So I told him it was fine, and that I was just doing my chores, and then the conversation moved on. I made an excuse to stop messaging him for the day. One really creepy thing he did was when I posted a picture of my grandma's dog, which is a corgi, and put the caption as how much I love that dog. He liked the photo, and then a day or so later, he sends me a picture of a corgi he drew for me. I thanked him for it, and then he asked me for my address, so he can send it to me. I refused, but he kept asking me, and telling me that it was a gift, and he wanted me to have it. I had to send him a message explaining that it was my family rule, and that I was not allowed to tell anyone my address, and for him to drop it. 
Eventually, after a bunch of creepy things, my friend blocked him. So he started ranting about it to me, saying that she shouldn't be creeped out by him. And he was just trying to be nice. That if she had a problem with anything, he was saying she should have told him. He basically continued on like that for the next few days. And then he pointed out how he was going to follow her on her backup account. And he was going to start talking to her on that one. So I immediately told my friend about it. And she blocked him on her backup. I stopped responding to him as well. And blocked him. So creepy guy on Instagram. Let's not meet. This encounter just happened three days ago. And I'm still pretty shaken up. I'm an 18 year old female student. And from where I'm from, July is our exam period for everyone. So I dragged my backpack everywhere. Anyway, it was 7 a.m. My exam was going to start at 9 a.m. So I decided to call an Uber. The car arrives on time and I get in. Now I'm not the type to judge someone with one glance. But for some reason this driver made me feel very uneasy. He was in his mid 40s. He had dark black circles around his eyes and was smirking a lot. He was silent for a good 10 minutes, but then started asking me questions. He asked me if I was a student. I didn't want to answer that, thinking he would try to hit on me. So I just lied and told him that I was a proctor, hoping that he would back off. Oh how wrong I was. He started to smirk and told me how he would always cheat on his exams and that I was a mean person for ruining people's lives in a joking way. I don't know why I did this, but I chuckled at his comment, and this probably triggered him thinking that I was liking this. He started getting personal and asked me how old I was, and if I would let my kid cheat. I lied and told him I was 34, and that I had a 16 year old kid. Mind you, I look pretty damn old, I'm overweight, and I don't have the best genetics. I hoped this would drive him off since I was old and had a kid, but instead, he just got creepier. He told me I looked like a strict person and asked me if I had a whip in my backpack. Then he asked me if my husband was strict like me, and I told him he was even more strict, hoping it would make him sound like a dude he doesn't want to mess with, and that ended up shutting him up for a while, until I noticed he was moving to a completely different region. Now I'm not a map, but I know the exam center could not be reached from this direction. I started to panic, but I was afraid he would do something if I confronted him, since we were in the middle of a rural area. So I decided to fake a phone call for my coworker and pretend to talk to her and tell her where I was. I told her I was in the Uber and that I would be there soon, and I shit you not. When he heard this, he turned the car around and went back in the direction we came from. He still continued to make flirty jokes, and I swear this turned my blood cold. As we were approaching the center, he told me that I should catch someone cheating, and then come back with him, and let him drive them so he can make some extra money, and after that he would take me to my address. The creepy part was, he studied my address. He was looking me in the eyes, and said, I know where you live. I still remember he drove a blue Nissan. If I ever need an Uber again, and I get paired with a blue Nissan, I will cancel it no matter what. I didn't call the company because I was afraid he'll come back after me, since he knows my address. I just didn't want to associate with him or anything. So creepy Uber guy, whose intentions I don't know, let's not meet again.
I was driving home one day when I realized this truck had been behind me for miles. Just to be precautious, I made an abrupt last second U-turn and he did as well. I realized that I wasn't being paranoid and he was following me. I got on the phone with 911 and I made a sharp turn and ran a few red lights to try to lose him. But he wouldn't stop, literally almost hitting my car a couple of times as he sped up to try to catch me. 911 instructed me to go to my local grocery store and wait for the police. I parked right in front of the store's entrance to make sure I was in front of the surveillance cameras and I waited. He ended up parking his car at a distance and waited for me to get out of my car. All of a sudden I heard a knock on my window. I freaked out and turned but it turned out to be the grocery store manager letting me know that 911 just notified him of the situation. He asked me if I wanted to go inside the store and he would protect me until the cops arrived. I honestly feared the worst and told him no. I was shaking and thought that the maniac might have a gun and he could shoot me and everyone in there. Just then the cops arrived and luckily cornered him in the back of the parking structure. I was shaking as the cop came to my car. My hand was gripping the wheel very tightly. They arrested him soon after for his third DUI and the police filed a report. I don't know who he was. Apparently he lived a couple miles away from me. Unfortunately, two months later I received a letter to notify me that I may be subpoenaed. They notified me that he was now free, but that my information including my address on the police report were provided to him and his attorney. I now live in fear that he might come by one day and hurt me. This happened about a year ago. I'm 16 now and he's going to be 20 in August. We met through the internet and it turned out he lived in the city right next to my village. I was 12 then, he was 16. We ended up losing contact rather quickly. After two years I texted him again because my friend edited a photo of him and dared me to send it to him. He seemed nice. We had a lot of shared interest and talking with him felt pretty natural. I was used to our age differences because for some reason I never met people my age so I didn't really mind. He took the bus to my village a couple of times and we hit it off pretty well. He even met my best friend. Then I heard he had a Skype call with one of my online friends that he told her how his last girlfriend supposedly killed herself because of him because of the horrible things he said to her. My friend felt like he was beginning to crush on her, maybe because she's nice and all too kind. The other friend voiced her worry over him. My friend told me about it and I asked him why he told them but not me. He said I was too immature to understand. That made me upset. I was the person that introduced him to my friend group and now he's trying to forcefully cut me out my friends ended up having enough of him and cut him out instead, but I didn't. I kind of felt bad for him. He was an orphan. He lived alone and had issues with alcohol and had a lot of trouble with depression. Losing three people in his life could have been devastating to him. So I kept messaging him, maybe out of pity. After that, he turned very, very creepy, very fast. Suddenly he started calling me darling. I was over the moon, a puppy dog crush 
on someone I knew I could never date. But he gave me hope that maybe, just maybe I could. He spent a lot of time with me, sent me pictures and videos of him going about his day. Nothing unusual. Until one time, he called when I was busy playing a video game on my laptop. I don't remember what was said exactly, but I do remember him being very excited that I was 15. 15 was the legal age in Poland. I was excited too. I don't know why. I remember being very stiff, even though it was just a harmless phone conversation. The joke was until February, because I turned 15 then, and he was supposed to visit. I felt like I owed him everything, just because he had issues with his mental health. He told me that his psychiatrist said that she'd never met anyone so young that had lived through so much. Even though our conversations were never about depression, I felt bad for him. That's why I never said anything that he said creeped me out or made me feel unsafe because I was afraid he'd feel worse and do something to himself. He told me that he had tried to kill himself multiple times. So what if I was the reason he tried again? He already told me about the issues of being abandoned and loneliness. When he visited, I learned that he still had feelings for his dead ex-girlfriend. He played a song that was their song. Every word in it described their relationship, and he was close to crying, and I had no idea what to do. He put me in a situation that even though he knew I wasn't equipped to deal with it. Once when I was upset, I told him that I don't want to be cheered up. I just didn't. I wanted to be alone. So instead of that, he sent me tons of text and pictures saying cheer up. It was the one time I set some sort of boundaries, and he broke it immediately. I had a school trip in October, and I had a good time from what I remember, but for some reason I just lost all my feelings for him then and there. Maybe because for once I didn't force myself to feel bad for him and constantly check if he was online and if he wants to talk or something happened to him. I cut contact with him later, very very slowly. I deleted him off of things that he never checked, blocked his number, and blocked him on Facebook. He noticed, but I never looked back. Later on, through another friend, the only one that kept in contact with him. I learned that his ex wasn't really dead. And then the screenshots of him moving in with a girl two years older than he is, who oddly had the same name as his ex. He sent a picture that was supposed to prove that he was in a psych ward, but even my friend refused to believe him. I don't know what he's lying about in the end, or if he was lying at all. Next school year, I'll be going to a school in the city he lives in, and I know he's still here. But I hope we never meet again. I always tell this as a cautionary tale that has actually happened to me, especially in the light of all the terrifying, heartbreaking news stories of girls who get in Ubers and are never seen again. This happened when I was in college. It's one of the bigger party schools with an entire street of bars that you can wander to and from. My boyfriend had gone back to his hometown, so I decided to go out with some friends. I'm sure you can see where this is going. I had a bit too much to drink and was on the edge of a blackout. Knowing with my whole mind, body and soul, I didn't want to be a liability for my friends for the rest of the night, so I told them that I would Uber home. My friends insisted on coming home with me, but selfishly, I wanted to call my boyfriend when I got home and have the place to myself, so I told them all no, but took a screenshot of my driver's name and info on the app and sent it to them. When he got close, I hugged them all and walked out the door. Like I said earlier, it's a big party school with a lot of bars in one area. 
So the entire strip is lined up with Ubers from about 11 to 3 a.m. It was almost bar closed and there was a ton. And look, I was hammered. I don't even know what a Toyota Yaris looks like at the best of times. So I'm searching. A man rose down his window and asked if I'm waiting for an Uber. He told me that he wasn't my Uber, but if I canceled my ride and accepted his, then he would take me home. I was already thinking of the leftovers I had in the fridge at this point, and I agreed, canceled my Uber, and linked my account up with his. He was super nice, and he was in fact an Uber. I've heard stories about fake Uber drivers, so I did make sure he was legit. He called me beautiful a few times right off the bat, but hey, I was a girl in college. I got that a lot. I remember we talked about our favorite books, and I told him I was an English major. He was super interested in listening to me talk about tutoring ESL students in my free time on campus. He was an immigrant who had to learn how to speak English. So we talked about how awful it is to learn such an intricate language, but how rewarding the success will be at the end. When he missed the turn to my apartment complex, I figured that he must have just been distracted by our conversation. I politely pointed out that he missed the turn, and he said he would turn back around. Rather than making a U-turn though, he took the longest way to get back to my apartments. I was still in familiar territory, so at least I knew he was going in the right direction. But I was starting to get nervous. It was around 2.30am at this time, and it was super dark with no one awake, let alone outside. When he missed the turn in again, I asked him if I could just get out and I could make it back on my own. He seemed kind of offended, like he was surprised that I wasn't engrossed in our conversation as he was. I kind of jokingly told him that I was a broke college student and he was racking up my bill during a surge. That seemed to straighten things out a bit. He was like, oh, I completely understand, and turned back towards my complex. I was honestly so freaked out and drunk at this point that as soon as he pulled into my complex I was like, okay, right here is fine, thank you and pulled the door handle when he came to a stop. It didn't open. I hit the little lock latch. Still nothing. Let's go get some coffee, he said. He clicked the button on the app to say that the trip was completed and clicked out of the app altogether. At this point, I'm just trying not to look as freaked out as I feel inside. I told him that I was tired and it was late for coffee and that's the last thing I needed at the moment. I tried the door again just to make sure I wasn't drunk and handling the door wrong. It still didn't open. We should just sit here and talk until you feel better, he explained to me. Or we can go somewhere private too, if you like. Do you live alone up there? At this point, I'm frantically digging through my purse, looking for my phone. Screw being polite. When he asked what I was doing, I told him that I promised my boyfriend I would call him when I made it home safe. This was the wrong thing to say. He got pissed that I had a boyfriend and that I hadn't told him about him. He asked me what his name was, what he did for a living, and where he was right now at this very second. When I gave him half-hearted answers, he got even angrier. He demanded to know why a boyfriend of mine would be stupid enough to leave his girl alone with another man. He repeated this twice. At this point I'm trying not to cry. I figured my phone must have fallen under the seat, so I start digging around down there. He demanded to know what I was doing. I gave him my best impression of a genuine laugh and said I dropped my phone. 
He told me to stop digging around in his things immediately. I stopped. Mind you, I was still drunk as hell at this point. I was trying to keep my shit together and not vomit or pass out. I tried the door a third time. Still nothing. He asked if I wanted to get coffee again, even kind of begged a little. I told him no. He asked me if I lived alone again. I lied to him and told him I had a roommate. He asked if it was my boyfriend and I said no. He kind of got angry again and then straight up asked if I made up my boyfriend. I told him no and he got angrier and again asked, why would he leave you alone with another man? I'm usually pretty good at reading people and I got the vibe that this guy thought he was a knight compared to my boyfriend. So I lied through my teeth. I told him I was going to break things off with my boyfriend and we weren't even really that serious and that he was an idiot to leave me alone like this. Thank whatever god that was watching over me. But that did it. He calmed down and said that changed things. He asked if I wanted to get coffee again and I changed my answer to not tonight. He asked me for my number and I gave it to him. Luckily I did because he called and made sure it was my real number. My phone buzzed from between the seat and my door and I fished it out. He grabbed my phone from me and demanded that I show my boyfriend's contact info. When I did, he deleted it and gave me a big smile. Feels good, doesn't it? I told him yes. He saved his number in my phone and gave it back. I told him goodnight in hopes that he would release me and he told me he just wanted to talk a little longer. I had to stay locked in the car with this guy till 4.30 in the morning. I don't even remember what we talked about. He asked me if he could hold my hand at one point. I said I needed to break up with my boyfriend before I did anything with another man. And he liked my answer, thankfully. When he finally let me out, I walked up the wrong building steps and crouched down in the shadows of some random person's doorway until he drove off. I sat there for another 10 minutes, then sprinted to my apartment. After crying on the floor in my kitchen for a while, I called my boyfriend and explained to him what happened. His response was the same one I get from everyone when I tell the story. Report the Uber. Even though he didn't know which building in my complex I lived in, he still knew where I lived. I was terrified of seeing him again. I was terrified of calling an Uber. To this day I refuse to Uber alone. And I make sure I have my phone in my hand every time I get into the Uber now. I realize that things could have been a lot worse. And maybe he was a good guy with the wrong line of thinking. And he did mean well. But I was terrified. I thought I wasn't going to make it to my apartment that night. Please be cautious when getting into an Uber. Don't be like me. So Uber driver from hell. I know we've technically met before. But I'm going to have to rain check on that coffee date. Forever. Let's not meet. I worked in the residential care facility and for a number of years worked with a woman named Karen. She was generally okay to work with, but she could sometimes be intense. The sort of joking flirtation that often finds its way to high pressure environments was common throughout the whole team, but when she directed it at me, it didn't seem so jokingly. It took me forever to realize that, because I usually don't notice someone flirting with me until someone else points it out. But when she started giving me jewelry and chocolate bouquets, I finally caught a clue. In between things being normal, 
and actually maybe not really normal. There was a long escalation of text messages and comments that made me uncomfortable, as well as personal space violations, like dropping by my house uninvited or hanging around my shift hours after hers had finished, unwanted touching, etc. As I mentioned, I can be slow to catch on. Once I realized what was happening, I put as much distance between her as possible. I stopped answering her phone calls and texts and locked down social media. I spoke to some other colleagues and had them running interference. A lot of interference, actually. At the time, it kind of became a joke. But looking back at it, she even parked outside my house sometimes, and I would sit in the back room with the lights off so she'd think that I wasn't home. Honestly, 2018 me is looking back at 2016 me, throwing popcorn and screaming, Do something, you stupid cow. But hey, 2016 me was alarmingly chill. After a couple months of my disappearing woman act, she seemed to get the hint and backed right off. I was pleased. We all got along with our lives and lived happily ever after. Nope. A few months after it all died down, I heard through the grapevine that Karen seemed to have focused her attentions on another co-worker, Linda. Linda and I had close mutual friends, but we didn't know each other well. I didn't think much of it other than, good luck you poor soul, bad 2000 me. A few months later, I get a call from out of the blue from a mutual friend that Linda and I share. He asked, were you dating Karen? Um, no. I was shocked. He had been aware of the awkward details of my experience with Karen and had helped me run interference. He explained that he had been talking to Linda and she asked about my relationship with Karen. The story that follows still sounds like fantasy to have actually happened in a sensible grown-up workplace. Karen had been catfishing her own best friend, Amanda, posing as Linda. In a string of emails, Linda and Amanda had discussed Karen's drug problem, her abusive dangerous ex, none other than yours truly. Linda coming out to her family after her brother caught her in bed with Karen, and more. The jig was up when Linda got a second job, coincidentally with Amanda's husband, who mentioned how great it was finally to meet Karen's girlfriend which puzzled poor straight single Linda. Some highlights of the story, Karen had been telling her friends and her co-workers that I wasn't close to, that Linda and I had physically fought at work over Karen, that two male co-workers, Karen and I had an orgy in the staff office one night shift, that Karen and I had broken up after I cheated on her with another male co-worker, that I would drug her against her will, and that I planned to have children using a sperm donor, but that I had a miscarriage. This woman had been living out a full-on soap opera and using her co-workers and her friends as set pieces. Eventually, Linda and I reported her to management and she was immediately suspended, pending an investigation. She quit two days later. Unfortunately, HR decided they needed to continue their investigation of the allegation that we had an orgy at work because that was totally plausible and not made up by a crazy woman. I left that job a month later myself. And when I interviewed for my current job, she had been interviewed half an hour before me and they were looking to hire two people. She didn't get the job, but there were two more openings since and she applied for both of them. I'm terrified of meeting her again. It turned out that she has a history of inpatient psych treatment for delusional behavior and was known to be obsessive about people she took a liking to. Rumor has it, her current girlfriend, real, not real, me, who knows? 
has a similar first name as me and shares a few more physical similarities. The scary thing is, she still knows where I live. So this happened to me on April 25th, and I still can't shake off how terrifying and strange it was. So I was home alone, getting ready for my noon college class that morning, and I opened my blinds to let some natural light in. I glanced out the window to see a man in his mid-30s wearing a baseball cap roaming around my property. He had his hands on his hips, walking with a weird bit of confidence. Our yard is kind of like a cliff and it overlooks five acres of our property down below. I live in the Pacific Northwest, so it's a scenic view. I was really confused and thought maybe it was a worker that my mom had hired for the renovations on the house and he was just admiring the view. I'm a bit uncomfortable at this point because the dude walks to the side of my house out of sight. I head upstairs only to see him now roaming around my front yard looking at things, checking out my house, etc. He still doesn't see me at this point. I call my dad and ask him if we hired anyone to come by the house. And he says not that he knows of. He tells me he's going to call my mom and ask her. And then call me back. I'm waiting for the call when I notice a strange dude's car. It's a white Honda with no license plates. Just parked parallel to my front door. The dude still hasn't seen me yet. And he's still wandering around. So I take this as an opportunity to remember that we have a security system. And I arm it. So if he did try to break in, it would immediately alarm the police. If this was some sort of professional or worker, he would have rang the doorbell or at least knocked once. He didn't either. Just then I get a call back from my dad saying neither him or my mom had hired anyone to come by today and that I need to call the local police station immediately. I went back downstairs after making sure to lock every window upstairs and called my city's police station. I explained to the woman on the other end what is happening and she decides not to send out an officer and instead gives me the number to their non-emergency dispatch line. I called the number she gave me immediately and I get an automated message saying, thank you for calling the non-emergency hotline. Nobody is available to take your call right now. If this is an emergency, please hang up and call 911. At this point I'm really irritated because 15 minutes has passed and the weird dude is still lurking around my house while I'm home alone, and apparently, that wasn't enough to warrant an emergency. I hung up and decided to call 911 again. After getting in touch with a 911 operator, I was asked a series of questions about his appearance before they would even alert officers near me to start heading towards my house. The whole thing seemed really weird. Nobody was in a real hurry to have officers come to my place when I was a younger girl home alone with a strange dude outside. I asked the operator if I could stay on the line with her, and she finally, after what seemed like forever, alerted the police to come to my house. And she agreed to stay on the line with me. And I went back upstairs to check out where the weird guy was. He's now sitting in his Honda, listening to his radio, either that or on the phone with someone in his car. It was a very loud, prominent male voice coming from his car. Then all of a sudden, I hear the voice tone you can hear when someone hangs up on you. And the operator was no longer on the line. I was really confused when my thoughts were interrupted by an unrecognizable phone number calling me. I assumed it was the operator calling me back. Instead, I was greeted by a really creepy heavy breathing. I'm not really sure who it was, but it really freaked me out. I hung up immediately and dialed back 911. I had been pretty calm to this point, but that phone call put me in panic mode. I got on the phone with another operator 
who knew my situation and address before I could even explain it to her. She said the cops were on their way. 20 minutes passed at this point. The dude is still in his car, and the cops aren't there yet. Keep in mind, I live in a smaller town, so there's no reason why it took the cops as long as it did to come down. Finally, this dude is leaving my driveway, right as the cops pull in. They stop him and ask him a few questions. Another cop comes to my door and hands me a sketchy-looking flyer saying, It's just a landscaper. He said he has an appointment. I was really relieved and irritated that it was just a dude that my mom had hired until I realized it wasn't. I called my mom back and said, The cop said it was just a landscaper that you hired and that he had an appointment. My mom replies with, I can assure you, we never hired a landscaper. We don't even need one. So dude, who could potentially be posing as a landscaper to traffic people or rob people's houses, let's not meet. So this story is quite recent, near the end of last year. Now this isn't a crazy story where I nearly get murdered or I meet face to face with the world's worst known rapist. It's common comparisons, but nevertheless, it's really creepy and shows how dodgy Uber really is. Now I still use Uber because it's 10 times easier than the bus, but I make sure to always sit in the back and keep very alert. So I live in England and during the winter the sun sets early. So I'm walking to the bus stop in my town center while it's quite dark. It's raining a lot, but I'm not really letting it phase me because there isn't a point. I'm already wet. The buses here are really unreliable. They either come way too early or way too late. I must have waited for two set times for the bus to come and it still didn't show up. So I ended up walking to the end of my town and calling for an Uber. I did that to make the price of the Uber go down a bit. So the guy comes and I hop in the front and he seems to be a really nice guy. He kind of looks like an Indian version of Clive Rowe. Straight off the top this guy's being super nice, constantly smiling at me and chatting away about my day. I normally don't interact but he was trying his best so I gave it a chance and talked to him about my day and told him about my day at work. I currently work in an IT based job and he found that very interesting. One thing that I found odd was, this guy would fully turn his head and chest to look at me when responding, even though he was driving. So this goes on for quite a bit, then he responds to a call on the loudspeaker and is chatting away in his language. It was calm. He starts telling me about his wife and his life back in his home country and all that good stuff. Again, I'm being nice and nodded along to be kind. Because of our talk about my job. He starts telling me about how he made his money back in his country and it had something to do with IT that he did out of his home. So he tells me it once, but then tells me it again in a slightly adapted story. And this happens all the way home for the rest of my journey, telling me the same story over and over again. I'm consistently nodding, telling him I'll try it out soon. So we pull upside my house and he turns to me again and starts telling me about his job asking me if I'll try it out. I'm like, yeah, I'll give it a look. I go to hop out the door and say thanks, but the door is locked. I'm making it obvious I want to get out by pulling out the door. So instead of unlocking the door, this guy tells me about his IT job, but this time 
He's patting and grabbing my thigh. Now, for someone that I know, that could be a nice gesture. But for some random ass Uber driver, that is far past creepy. I'm now pulling out the door, assuring that I'll check out his job. Before he unlocks the door, the guy says to me, Will I see you again? With some creepy ass smile. I was like, maybe. Probably ended up giving this dude a hard on at the idea of seeing me again. But I was finally able to get out of the car. So for that Uber driver that thinks it's okay to touch a girl's thighs and not let the passenger out, we definitely ain't meeting again. And I will definitely be denying your rides if they come up. This is something that happened to me a couple months ago. I love Facebook. I love memes. I love talking to people. I love long comment sections, etc. That being said, I never give away any of my personal information, such as where I work or live. My birthday information is also private, so on and so on. I've made quite a few friends that I don't know personally, but that I agree with or have really good discussions with. So after commenting back and forth on a friend's post for a while, it was no surprise that Tyler messaged me. It started off fairly simple. We just talked about the post we commented on, how do you do's, and common interests. I was excited to have a new friend. He seemed pretty interesting, and we had a lot in common. I'm not a beauty queen or anything, but I let him know, after about an hour of casual conversation, that I was taken happily. I enjoyed his friendship, but it wouldn't lead to anything more, since I was getting married next year. He seemed a little upset, but respectful. I told him goodnight, went to sleep, thought nothing of it. The conversation continued a few days. He started to get a little pushy if I didn't respond to him immediately, and I told him I was very busy, and he apologized and told me that he was just bored and lonely. I started to put a little distance, but I didn't want to completely give up on my new friendship because I hated the fact that he was so lonely. One day he randomly messaged me, saying he wanted to have me in his arms. I immediately nipped that in the bud, reminding him of my relationship and telling him if he didn't stop, then our friendship would be done because I respect and am loyal to my fiance. He immediately lost his shit, messaging me saying he didn't care about my fiance, making threats towards him. I stopped messaging him and selected to have his messages go to my ignore box. He could still message me, but it wouldn't go into my regular inbox. I made a post about it, and a friend of mine commented and said he did the same thing to her, except he knew where she lived and would show up outside her house. I was freaked out and went to go see if there was more messages from him, because she told me he was bad news and I should call the police if any threats were made. This is where the shitstorm begins. He messaged me over a dozen times. Different things started off kind of taunting for me not answering, then moved on to him messaging me about some asshole who cut him off when he was driving and was too slow for his taste. Then he was saying he was going to shoot the guy, and it would be my fault since I made him angry by ignoring him. I messaged him, telling him to leave me alone and stop replying for a while. He started messaging me, narrowing down where I lived. That really freaked me out, as I had never told him where I lived or anything remotely close to my house. The only thing I had ever said was that I'd talk to him later because I was going to Arby's and my phone was dying. Yet somehow he knew I was 7 minutes away from Arby's by my house, exactly how long it takes me to walk there. And there are several Arby's in my city. Then he started narrowing down which street I lived off of, 
Down to knowing a four-door black sedan that was linked to my address, which there was. It was in my sister's name when she registered it as an Uber. This was enough for me, and I called the non-emergency hotline. The police refused to do anything, of course, saying until he actually showed up or did something, there's nothing that could be done. Never mind that he was sending me pictures of dead people and saying that that was going to be my family, and he was narrowing down my address. Unless he actually showed up, I was screwed. All I could do was apply for a protective order, so I did. Tyler kept messaging me, so I told him about the protective order in place, and he needed to leave me alone. He responded that there's nothing that could be done until he was served and signed it, which was true. My fiance is in IT and has a cousin who is pretty tech savvy as well and managed to get the last couple of addresses Tyler had. But the police couldn't find him at either of those. We had license plate numbers, address, full name, birthdays, etc. Yeah, he seemed to be untraceable. He stopped for a while. But the day of my court case, to have the P.O. extended for two more years, he started again. My fiancé filed criminal charges for a threat he had made. He said, someone could come shoot you in 15 minutes. And his last known address was exactly a 15 minute drive from my house. I spent the last couple months completely afraid. He was arrested and served finally. I think he was speeding or something. And it turns out he has a history of this. Multiple charges. All dropped or dismissed. They dropped everything from felonies to a misdemeanor disorderly conduct charge with 12 months suspended jail time depending on his behavior. They couldn't prove it was him and not someone else behind the keyboard. Especially since we never met face to face in real life before his court date. Even though I had two people that received messages from him and had seen him face to face as well. I can't sleep. The slightest noise wakes me up panicking. It's been hell for my family. So Tyler, let's not meet. This happened last year at the peak of my partying stage. I was at a friend's house drinking until about 2am. I was pretty drunk and decided to call an Uber to take me home. The car pulled up and I have this habit of sitting in the front seat with the driver. He was a young man, around mid to late 20s. And I don't remember too much about what we were talking about, but I do recall his compliments going from, you're really pretty, to, you're really hot. And he kept on saying I reminded him of his mom, which was weird, and I found it even more strange, considering that I was only 19. But I tried to laugh it off, because I didn't want to appear rude. I asked him to swing by a drive through at a burger spot, because I was hungry. We got the food, and he was supposed to take me home. But I noticed that he was driving in the complete opposite way of where my house was. I looked at his map and it kept telling him to turn around. So I asked him where were we going and I remember him looking over at me and saying, Oh, you don't want to come over to my house? I remember I completely sobered up at this time. No, please take me home. I don't recall if we continued talking after that, but luckily he took me home and I never heard from him again. I reported him the next day. What really upsets me is he clearly knew I was inebriated and he tried taking advantage of me. I can't imagine what would have happened if I never spoke up. It's safe to say I won't be Ubering alone at night anymore. So creepy Uber driver who tried to take me home, let's not ever meet again. 
This happened when I was about 9 or 10. My parents rarely left me home alone, but when they did, it's mostly because they got adult stuff going on, like going to a relative's funeral ceremony, visits in hospitals, or something like that, that they didn't want to bring me along because I'd be scared and I would act awkward. So in this case, when they left me on my own, that gloomy evening, that ended up scaring me for my life. They told me that they would be back for dinner, but in case my mom prepared some spaghetti and told me to eat it and go to bed if they weren't home by 8.30. They had the door key and begged me not to lock the deadbolt so they could unlock the door without my help. As soon as they left, I began to do my homework so I could finish and play some video games for about two hours straight. I was really into this game and barely checked the time, but when I did, it was already 8 p.m. and this is when my nightmare started. I paused the game to reheat the spaghetti in the microwave when I heard the interphone. I lived in an apartment on the fifth floor and in order to unlock the main door from the ground we had to use this interphone. You could unlock the main door with the keys but my dad told me that they'll still call me from the interphone to make sure I was sleeping or not. I answered the call, presuming that it was my parents. I said, hello? But no answer followed. Then I continued with, Okay, it's unlocked now. Still no answer. It felt strange to me because they would always say something before coming up, but I thought they were just in a real hurry to see me. That's how naive I was. But things got worse. After waiting 15 minutes, I started to realize that it wasn't my parents on the interphone. Because I was just living on the fifth floor, and it doesn't take you 15 minutes to take the elevator, or even to climb the stairs. So I must have just unlocked it for some random stranger. But I felt like, no big deal, because no way in hell the stranger was going to guess which floor I was living on. So 20 minutes after I answered the initial phone call, someone started ringing my doorbell. I knew it wasn't my parents ringing the doorbell, because not only was the person ringing the doorbell in the most hideous way possible, but they were also knocking on the door. Things that my parents would not do since they had the key. I was sweating and started to switch off all the lights and grabbed a kitchen knife. Even though I had no idea who the person was, I was still too scared to look through the peephole. I just knew this person wasn't welcome in my home. Then I heard the noise of a guy saying, I know someone's in here. No need to be scared. I'm just a hallway cleaner and I just want some water because I'm thirsty. At this point I was about to call my parents so they would come home. But my phone was in my room, and we had old wood floors that would make so much noise. So I just stayed in the main door in the dark, sweating with a kitchen knife in hand. He's still there, trying to convince me to open the door with the same, I'm exhausted and thirsty, strategy. But I knew he was lying. 1. Why would you ask for water when there's a fountain on the ground floor? And 2. I was pretty sure this was the person that I was on the interphone with, and that's why he said I know someone's in there. Because I freaking answered the interphone. But how the hell did he find out which floor I was in? I was 10 and had no clue how things worked at the time. So I had no idea how he found which floor I was living on. Was he spying on me? Did he know my parents? Did he kill them and take their keys? Tears began falling down my cheek. But after what seemed like an eternity, he finally left. His last words were still fresh in my memory. You're not a very polite little girl and his footsteps faded away from the door. Even though he was gone for good, I still sat next to the door and cried. I managed to pull myself together and wipe off my tears, and I just waited for my parents. 
When they arrived, I hugged them, and they kind of scolded me for not sleeping yet. And I ended up not telling them what happened. I was scared that they would scold me more and forbid me to go to any pajama parties. I was even more stupid at that age. The whole week after, I kept an eye on the cleaning staff, and I never met a male hallway cleaner. So yeah, random guy pretending to be thirsty in the hallway. Let's never ever meet again. I'm sharing this experience from literally last night because it's creepy as hell and I want people to learn from my experience. This is a precautionary tale. I understand that it's my fault, but maybe if I can help one person by telling my story, it will be worth it. I don't really drink as a general rule, but once a month or so, I go out with my friends and binge. My friends and I had a great night at the bar in the city and then they left. I was chatting it up with a cute guy and decided to stay. I went back to his place. I'm ready to head home, so I call an Uber to pick me up. I don't know where I am. I know I'm in the city, but not the exact location. I order the Uber, but it's taking forever. Requesting, requesting, requesting. So I cancel it and try again. Pretty soon the car pulls up. I directly mumble something like, is this the Uber? And I hop in. Big mistake. Ubers are apparently supposed to have some kind of marking on the vehicle. This guy pulls away and starts driving. We're chatting and I'm fumbling for a cigarette. And the next thing I noticed that we were headed on the highway in the opposite direction of where I thought we needed to drive. And we were going a solid 90 miles per hour. Then I get a call from my Uber driver. He's there and I'm not because I got into the wrong car with this nutcase. I start texting my friend frantically, counting off mile markers for her. Then I realize that's not going to do Jack because he's probably still drunk too. So I call 911, but I realize this guy's crazy and he's refusing to let me get out of the car. So I've got to do it on the sly. It's been 40 minutes now and I'm terrified. I don't know where I am. I don't know who this is and we're driving over 100 miles per hour, weaving in and out of traffic. This guy's trying to get me to hang up my phone call. Yo, get off the phone. Who the hell are you calling? You better not be no snitch. So I don't want to do anything that might provoke a violent reaction from him. I start chatting to the 911 dispatcher, as if it was my friend, praying that they'll catch on. Hey girl, it's me. I'm with someone right now. We're driving past Emerald. No, sweetie, it's not my Uber. I thought it was, but it's not. It's a shame you can't come and meet me and bring friends. Thanks, sweet baby Jesus, the operator catches on. He gets me to stay on the phone for a while while he sends cops, and we develop a code. If I see a cop, I'm supposed to casually put my hand out the window, which looks semi-normal because I'm smoking a cigarette. We pull into some random little housing complex, and he busts out some powder and forms two lines. I relay this to the operator, in code. Oh girl, I wish you were here right now. This guy just busted out the coke. You would love it. He's taking a really big bump. Man after my own heart. Pretty soon, I can see the lights of the cop cars, so I start waving my hand out the window. At this point, I don't care if he's onto me or not. I don't know if he has a weapon, so I slump down in my seat, just in case things get hot. The cops around us, get him out of the car. 
and then once it's safe, they get me as well. They whisk me away to the hospital for a drug test and evaluation, and that's where my story ends. On my way to the hospital, as I'm explaining this to the officer, I find out that of this guy's 40-ish years on earth, he's been in prison for almost 30 of them for violent offenses. I want people to learn from my mistakes. If nothing else, call 911 and stay on the line.